0: Happy Victoria Day, Stephen. Oh,
1: happy Victoria Day, Erica.
0: Yeah, it's a long weekend, so we are settling in for some Doctor Who.
1: Frontier in Space. We watched episode one. We promised you and ourselves.
0: Well, there are no promises. There are only some tentative plans. That's that's our, that's our promise. That's
1: our promise uh, to watch all of Frontier in Space in one go, which is honestly the best way to watch it. It's one of my favorite stories. But then again, they're all my favorite stories. <laughs> I love them all.
0: Yep, Um, But yeah, so that's that's our plan for today Mm -hmm. Don't know how many podcast episodes it will be But uh, we might choose to watch a couple episodes at a time Or maybe we'll be so excited after an episode We'll decide to just do a podcast right away Again, no promises, that's our promise
1: Who knows, that's why we're called Lazy Doctor Who
0: Uh, on the Incomparable Network yeah,
1: No, that's how we wrap the show I wasn't ready to wrap the show yet We're just starting
0: Sorry, yeah, we are just starting And you know, since it is, uh, you know, it's a holiday here yep. uh, uh, One of the, the queens of the colonizers uh, Is who we're quote-unquote honoring today I right. thought it was, uh, it's been a while since we've, we've done a land acknowledgement
1: That's right this, uh, this podcast is recorded on Treaty 6 territory And traditional homelands of the Cree uh, Black Falls and I can't remember the, And Blackfoot, thank you And I think there's another one in there yeah. too Denae, there it is. We do it before every Oilers game, so it's, it's sort of becoming uh, coming second nature, thankfully. But uh, yes,
0: yeah. The, tell people tell people about the Oilers um, land acknowledgement. I think it's really cool.
1: They have uh, Chief Willie Littlechild uh, actually appears on screen. And gives the land acknowledgement for the Oilers games. And they have um, it written out as well in English and in Cree on the scoreboard. And everyone gives it a big applause afterwards, which makes me very happy. And they showed Game 3 last night on ESPN in the States and they showed that usually traditionally american broadcasts sort of like oh they're singing the canadian national let's completely bury the fact that this is this is occurring in a a nation other than the united states but no they they showed the whole thing anthem land acknowledgement and everything so Mm -hmm. that's you know it's a it's a very long way back to full reconciliation i'm not sure we'll ever get there um but the attempt is something that we all must make. And so I'm glad that just, you know, even little things like that are being done.
0: Yep. So that is why we wanted to call out that this podcast is, uh you know, as long as we're doing it at home, there are a couple episodes that happen in other places. Yep. But uh, yes, it is brought to you from Treaty 6 territory, uh, Edmonton, Alberta, otherwise known as a Amiskwishu again.
1: That's right. So there, um, happy happy to live and play on Treaty 6 Territory. I'm watching Frontier in Space, which is all about colonialism as well because <laughs> this is what... There's a, a run-through. There seems to be... Malcolm Hulk wrote this. Ah. He also wrote uh, Colony in Space. Mm-hmm. Um... I mean, Br-
0: he wrote the In Space. Some of the the In Space duology. He, somebody, he
1: wrote some of the best episodes in Space. <laughs> Honestly, I think they missed a trick because there was. Do we do go through this? Uh, the, the, we did Wheel in Space and Colony in Space and Frontier in Space and the Ark in Space. Uh, I, don't don't at me. I I yeah. But there's been a lot of them. We need we need RTD to give us another In
0: Space <laughs> in the next. <laughs> I agree.
1: I know. I think we need a little more in space episodes we have planet of the something that's been done but i think we need something in space again because you know it means that we're, we're setting up for, i mean honestly we don't we rarely go into space and colony in space this is almost all in space it's proper doctor who space opera
0: Although I will point out for listeners of the incomparable flagship show who listen to the uh, book club episodes, we had we've had many conversations about what qualifies as in space and not in space, uh, and Jason has pointed out multiple times. All planets are in space, so technically, yeah, all all our stories are in space.
1: That's true, but I want to see space. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I want to actually you, know, you as 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 uh, Victor Franklin in uh uh the thick of it. You know, you're not going to be able to see this from space. It's going to be space. That's how big it is, and it's mm-hmm. big and big and lavish and. Mm-hmm costumes and spaceships and dracodians and uh and then at the very end a freaking sandbagger turns up. And so like yeah, oh there's a lot to talk about in this episode.
0: I was so excited about that. But let's let's jump back a little bit before we get to talking about uh, Ray Lonen. Um the I think it's it's very interesting. There's a lot of setup in this story and it's super exciting. Like it just Actually, exciting is not the word I mean. I mean intriguing. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't really know what's happening and you don't know why, but there are definitely seeds being planted for interesting things. And also, you know, you've got the beginning of the world building starting right yep. here. You see, you know, its future. Uh, the, part of it's taking place on Earth. We've got, you know, humans and draconians and then at the end, Ogurons. Um, But so you've got, it. it's neat. There's a the, a woman as the... She's president.
1: Right? President of Earth.
0: President of Earth, which is cool. Uh the newsreader is a black man with uh is, is it a what kind of an accent does he have?
1: I think he's uh, Caribbean. That is okay. Lewis Mahoney uh appearing as, I believe, the first black newsreader mm-hmm. in BBC history. Wow. Lewis Mahoney. He of uh will appear later on Doctor Who twice, most famously as um aged Billy in Blink. Mm-hmm. I have until the Rain Stops. Yeah.
0: Yep, I thought I thought I, I recognized his voice actually, yeah. and I know he did. He pass away recently, uh,
1: relatively recently. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and I knew that he had been in multiple episodes. So I was like, I wonder if that's him, and uh-huh. it is. Uh, and he does he does a fantastic job here. I think it's neat. Uh, it is interesting that for all the progressiveness that they have ladled in here, thanks, Mac Hulk. I'm sure. Um, then they have a, an alien race that is at this point built up to be the the big bad, uh, and. While they do look freaking awesome, it is very clear that their uh, sort of costuming, the the makeup, all that stuff is is very uh, based on you know Asian cultures. So like,
1: samurai with the uh, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's like, yeah, good job. You've got a, 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 you know Caribbean newsreader and a woman is president. And yet, <laughs> there's there's enough, you know, racism running currents running through it that your entire uh, foe mm-hmm. is is based on uh, uh, an Eastern culture.
1: There's like an Orientalism there, like yep. like it, it feels mm-hmm. ve- like in at this time, mm-hmm. stuff you know the the Far East, as they would call it back then, mm-hmm. seemed like a very strange and mystical place. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't get much TV in the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I it's interesting, what, like you know, nowadays. Cultural differences are almost commonplace because we have the internet, we have TV, we have from all over the world that, that, that nothing seems quite as mysterious anymore. But back in the early 1970s, mm-hmm. you know, it it's it's different. Yep. It's a different time.
0: It is. It's a different time. I mean, that never makes it great, but no. uh, but it is it is interesting to sort of show that like the 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 Caribbean newsreader and the woman is president and like that sort of thing it's like they've there's there's some movement being made yeah. like they've they've gotten somewhere but they just they haven't quite gotten it it's like oh. it's like when you see a tweet from somebody that's like oh they're so close to mm-hmm. getting it but they just don't quite get it yet but uh, um, but I will say from like a costume design perspective if you if you can make yourself overlook the 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 racism in the in the design elements like they they do execute it well and put it together um very well and i also speaking of costuming i also really love the president's dress (laughs) it's fantastic the drape the fabric like it's just i really really like the collar Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. i mean it, it watching it on a very large screen with really good quality uh like it's It's maybe, you know, you can tell sort of it's a cheaply produced BBC costume, but the design and like the way that it looks and stuff, it's just like, yeah, I would, I would love to cosplay that with, you know, maybe a little bit heftier fabric. Right.
1: It's, you know, I've been watching, uh, in the background as of late, a BBC show called The Duchess of Duke Street.
0: Please tell people how and why you are doing this and what you mean by in the background.
1: In the background. So, uh. I mentioned this on Ready for Scare yesterday that I've been I've been watching it. I've been watching it a few times, but it's it's a show for, it's from the BBC, 1976, 78, I think. Uh, it's on BritBox, and I sort of have it on when I'm editing podcasts, mm-hmm. so I'm not listening to it. Right. No, no offense to the show. I'm there purely to watch for Doctor Who actors. <laughs> Which is uh if if I was running a nation, it would be probably the national sport um but what i'm what I'm noticing about the show is that i mean it's it's a it's a sort of a standard b b c drama it takes place in a hotel in the early nineteen hundreds there are sets, there are actors, the actors act on the sets, never shall the two meet, you know, and like the direction is very you know just sort of standard commonplace, and then you watch Doctor Who, which is being made at the same time, and you realize. My heavens, they are strict. You know, we think of seventies Doctor Who as oh, it looks so cheap and stuff. But when you compare it to how television was being made Mm -hmm. at that time, Mm -hmm. and you realize how they are pushing the boundaries of what you can do on a standard BBC set, I I get that impression when I watch Duchess of Duke Street, which I think was a hit show back in the day. Like this is not some. Fly by Night, sort of like you know, I probably knowing BBC, it probably got like fifteen million or something like that, <laughs> uh, you know. But it was a it was a pretty, fairly prestige show, from what I understand, and uh, you know, it is fairly simple in production terms compared to what we see on Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. you know, because you are creating entirely new costumes and creatures and worlds as opposed to, let's see what 1914 looked like and let's make all the costumes look like that, and let's never touch the sets, because they never touch the sets they never poked the walls, there's no slamming of doors in the Duchess of Duke Street but there's always people flying around on scenery, so the scenery in in Duchess of Duke Street is just as flimsy as it is in like Frontier in Space or something similar, just you're never thrown throwing ogrons into scenery in the <laughs> Duchess and Duke Street.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's a good point. And there is an, not to mention the special effect, you you called out the uh, the coolness of the camera move with the the blue screen.
1: Thank you for asking me that. Uh yeah, I had I had never noticed that until I watched it this time around. I probably did eight times <laughs> and I mentioned it over the past fifteen years in Ready for Scarlet. Paul Bernard directed this. This is his third and final Doctor Who story that he directed and he attempted a similar move to pretty good effect I thought in Day of the Daleks where um he zooms out from a TV screen which is being projected on there from with color separation overlay, like a, oh, wow. aka blue screen. And which means that it's not computer controlled. They're basically having to zoom out two cameras at the same time at the mm-hmm. same rate uh, to make sure that the 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 aspect ratio on the on what's being projected on the screen mm-hmm. matches what is being you know in in the shot itself, and they do it again here, and I never noticed that. when they when they zoom out from from the big newsreader screen, I thought, my heavens, that was like, and that's done live. That's not done mm-hmm. post production. That is done. That we're gonna line this up, and we're gonna try it, and we only have you know two hours to shoot this thing, this whole episode essentially, mm-hmm. and they do it, and that's another aspect of of B, of Doctor Who in the 1970s which is very impressive.
0: Yeah having run some of those style cameras when I was in college mm-hmm. like th- being able to do that smoothly is tough enough in itself and being able to do it smoothly at the same time synchronized with somebody mm-hmm. else that, that is very very impressive.
1: Yeah. We're mm-hmm. still five years away from uh, video visual effects post production in wow. Doctor Who yeah Underworld's the first story that, it, that had it. We're still in the, in the days of essentially making these things as live fascinating yep yep
0: well, let's talk about the the plot a little bit
1: yes please thank you yeah I, usually i bore you all with that nonsense at the end of these things but <laughs> well what do you think of this uh, this year's story there erica
0: well i have i i think we talked about it. i have i definitely have seen it within i don't know last year or two maybe i don't remember what I what we watched it for Verity and i don't remember exactly specifically what it was for um but uh but yeah so it's 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 fun to watch it now because I I really, the way that my brain works, I don't remember things terribly well uh, uh, unless I've seen them a couple of times. So I don't actually remember super well like the details like I'm I'm picking I'm I'm watching it and I'm going okay I think I remember what how this connects I know who's going to show up I know like that some of mm-hmm. that stuff I get but not all of it and it's really fun to watch this first episode from that particular standpoint because I still have a little bit of the excitement and frision of watching it for the first time being like what because you know you're watching the president and the uh son of the emperor of the draconians yeah uh uh-huh. and they are both like they're so earnest in their arguments like they're ticked off like stop raiding us no you stop raiding us and like I, I feel like they are both being earnest in their uh you know and what they're saying and by the end when the Ogrons show up and they're pretending to be draconians you're like okay Clearly, they both believe that they are in the right just uh-huh. as much uh, as each other, uh, and that's that was just you know a fascinating scene. Even before we saw the O'Grons, and then afterwards, it's like yeah, they, you know those performances were, were were smack on, right on. And then you know you get the angry military general who just really or admiral or whatever he is,
1: General Williams. Well, I saw it a recent episode of Duchess of Duke Street, oddly enough. <laughs>
0: Oh, That's funny. Yeah. Um, And, and yeah, so like, you know, he clearly just doesn't trust them. And at this point, I don't remember well enough to know if it's just because he's just an old soldier, and he doesn't trust them, or if he is shady in some way. And he's being very well set up at this point, mm-hmm. to go either direction and have it work really well. Um, the all of the uprest, uh, uprest, <laughs> uprising and unrest, mm-hmm. I put those two together, <laughs> right. came up with the word uprest. We're going with it. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uprest on Earth, and um, you know that uh, in a way that feels a little close to home. <laughs> right. um, so yeah, it's just it's fascinating, and then the fact that like it's this big ship and they're carrying bulk flour. Like, that's what this is about.
1: Danger. Bulk flour. <laughs> uh, as I said to you, the future is gluten-free because flour is treated as a uh, dangerous resource. <laughs> no one can handle it anymore.
0: Uh, I mean, if it were to, like, spill out enough of it, it could, uh, it could suffocate you. Or, like, sure. you know, enough, like, flour in the yeah, air. Oh, you light yeah. a match accidentally and the ship goes boom.
1: Obviously, maybe they're just selling it to uh, a planet that is, like, you know rife with celiac disease or something like that they have to like oh no just be very careful with that don't touch that it's like you know they throw around like dynamite like nothing like nobody's business but oh flower be careful like it decimates half the planet Mm
0: -hmm. Yep, and we got some just nice world building from the just the conversation between the two pilots who were talking oh you know i'd love a a luxury cruiser and like oh no you'd be pushing blah 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 you know cargo whatever and it's just i don't know it's just
1: uh, I didn't say anything to you, Siri.
0: <laughs> Siri wants to be on our podcast. Yeah. Siri, you are not invited. No. Um, yeah. So I just I, I feel like this is a fantastic episode. One. It sets up so much. You get Joe looking out the window and seeing that ship change yep. and you know she doesn't have the context to recognize what either version of the ship is like i wonder how what a different story this would be if the doctor had seen mm-hmm. that happen um and then you know the like what a fantastic science fictional idea to have our heroes being seen as the enemies of the people who are on the ship like that's that i don't know that that really pinged my science fictional love like i like that
1: I think it's the first time where the doctor arrives through the eyes of someone else in, this, in the show. Mm-hmm. We often see the TARDIS arrive. We know what the TARDIS is. We know mm-hmm. who the doctor is, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, we see the TARDIS for the first time through the eyes of someone else, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's neat. As they almost run into it. As they almost run into it. I also like that Malcolm Hulk, um, who is very good at uh, at uh, putting layers of gray in Uh, Into or shades of gray, if you will, into the different species and the different people on, you know, like he wrote the Doctrine of the Silurians. There's not like the Silurians are bad, humans are good. There are are good and bad on both sides. And it was very much set up to be at the beginning, oh, draconians, they're bad. We call them dragons even. And then we cut to the meeting between the president of Earth and the draconian ambassador. And we immediately see that they are actually two, you know, they're they're on even keel, yep. you know, and because of that, because we have that, and, and we find out that Earth has actually sort of transgressed as well in the past, that instantly we sort of say, oh, okay. So it's not just us versus them. It's it's very much a, a you know, a plot, even though one of them looks like, you know, the people who are watching the show and, and one of them don't. You know, Malcolm Hulk is good at establishing their are equals. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's interesting, too, that like, you know, they in a in a well-built out world, any sort of, you know, enemy, any other, you know, quote unquote other Mm -hmm. is going to have. What did the doctor say? Unflattering nickname. Yeah. To call them to call them dragons. And it's to me, actually, and I don't this probably wasn't intentional. It's just something that I'm thinking of right now. It is it is an interesting um, display of an example of how. any word, no matter how cool it is, can be used to harm, to hurt. Because, mm-hmm. like, the word dragon? Super cool. Like, I would love to be called a dragon. <laughs> yeah. But in this context, it's not. Like, that's a friggin' racial slur mm-hmm. and... uh And and should not be used by anybody who is, you know, trying to make peace between these two races. Mm -hmm. So, you know, (laughs) every once in a while you see somebody uh, making an argument that like, oh, that's not an insulting word that I just called that person. That's a great word. Guess what? When it's used to be an insult, when it's used to be a slur, even a word as cool as dragon, which is one of the coolest words in the world, I think. I think dragons are amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. In this case, it's not cool.
1: No, and it, but it's a nice when I say nice, it's it's a it's a very subtle little layer that there's an actually, you know, a, a unflattering nickname, as you mm-hmm. say, a pejorative for Earth people to call draconians. Mm-hmm. It just lays it in there that this has been going on for a while, that we already call them something else, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. Possibly even leaning into the Orientalism a little bit, dragons, oh, Chinese dragons, all mm-hmm. that. Um Yeah, it's an interesting aspect of, of, of the story. And where the world was in nineteen seventy two, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, with the Cold War being very much in evidence, uh, you know, the Soviet-Sino split at the time where China and and the Soviets sort of split off. And, you know, like China was not exactly an open book. We're still in Mao Zedong's time and before Nixon went there and, uh, you know... All these world. This this is the world that Doctor Who exists in. It's, it's it's as I often said. It's it's easy to sort of pick out a story from 1973 and sort of watch it with with modern eyes. But sometimes it's fascinating to put it back and see where it existed in in time.
0: Yeah, Doctor Who is and always has been a very fascinating reflection of the world around it. From you know the the Daleks themselves, which mm-hmm. you know last time we saw the Ogrons, that's who they were working for. Um. That being a sort of stand-in for the Nazis, yep. so we're, we're seeing reflections of of the world as it was uh, all the way through Doctor Who up until up until right now, mm-hmm. which is which is fascinating. Now remind me again, because I saw the ogre and I was like. I- I was very glad Joe had said, last time we saw the Ogrons, they were working for the Daleks, which is the kind of line that sometimes sounds a little bit uh, too over-the-top explainy, and I was very pleased by it. Because having watched some Doctor Who out of order, some Doctor Who who in order, I genuinely couldn't remember... When the Ogrons were so, can you please remind me which which story and how
1: they were used by the Daleks? They were in they were mercenaries used by the Daleks in Day of the Daleks, okay. which is the opening story from the previous season, season nine, also directed by Paul Bernard. Uh, interestingly enough, um, uh, I don't know why that uh, I, I I don't remember why they decided to include the Ogrons, the usual. <laughs> The reason is because we made the costumes. Hashtag the yeah. built the sets. Hashtag we made the, we made the costumes. <laughs> uh, and so that's probably why why they used them. They were just like, hey, we can use them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's why. Okay. I like that. They also mentioned, uh, you know, Solos from the Mutants. Yes.
0: You know? That one I remembered much more clearly. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is, as you know, listener, dear listeners, we are going along very slowly. And my memory, right, especially right now, considering the stress that the world is under, mm-hmm. it's, it ain't what it used to be. So uh, thank you, Joe. And thank you, Stephen, for helping to re- me to remember things.
1: Well, I, you know, that, w- that aired over a year uh, ago uh, when this aired. And they weren't exactly uh, watching repeats. And they weren't reading no target novelizations because those hadn't started until this year, 1970. 19- 73 so you watch it once and there you go that's and maybe you read a doctor who annual or something like that which doesn't even mention it anyway so yeah i like little subtle bits in there mentioning you know Mm -hmm. remember this it feels like as you know dialogue in some ways but in many ways they don't know you know and some people might have might not have even watched the mutants because it was like aired in like april and may and it was nice out maybe and maybe they're out (laughs) enjoying it and they missed doctor who that week and guess what you never saw the mutants so Little, little touches like that.
0: Yep. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about Ray Lawnan.
1: <laughs> now Ray Lawnan shows up. Now I, this is, I, I'm intrigued. I, I'm, I'm going to actually look up when you recorded this for Verity uh-huh. because I wonder if it was before mm-hmm. you discovered the Sandbaggers, one of the greatest shows of the late 1970s of British TV. One of the greatest shows of TV. Thank you very much. <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far, but I'm glad you went that far. I love The sandbackers so much. It's my favorite new to me mm-hmm. um, TV show of the past 20 years of this century.
0: It might be mine, too. Yeah
1: so good. Anyway, Ray Lanon is uh Sandbagger 1, Willie Kane in uh, the Sandbaggers. And uh when he showed up on screen because it was him who who the doctor was talking to on the ship back and forth and I thought does she recognize him? Does she I did not. No. I
0: no because it was, you know, the 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 screen is, you know, it's a screen. Yep. It's a futuristic uh Talk, talky screen mm-hmm. so it's a uh, you know a little washed out he's he's also got this thing around his face when he when he yeah. first enters so i didn't pick up on it until he first came in and it was it was actually it was a bit of the voice and then the face and i was like wait a minute like and i kind of i was already sort of leaning forward because i was excited i was on the edge of the couch uh, <laughs> was. and then and then i leaned forward a little bit more and i was like wait a minute is wh- who is that and then and then you kind of whispered to me do you recognize him and i was just like <gasps> And I just turned and I looked at Steven and I looked at the TV and then I looked at Steven and then I looked at the TV and then I sat forward even farther and just put my chin in my hands literally because I was so excited.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. Ray Lonan. I don't know where he was in his his TV career. Obviously, he's about five or six years away from being in the sandbaggers in this. uh, But, yep. (laughs) Great to see a sandbagger in Doctor Who. We will see Mm -hmm. uh, two more sandbaggers in Doctor Who over the yes, we will I'm not gonna say when or where oh yeah. but you already know about I, them so
0: I, I actually do because we watched Times flight not that long ago yeah. um yeah. and uh and I always always forget that um, why am I blanking on his name? Roy Marsden. Thank you, Roy Mars. Mar- Mar- his name is not Roy Marsden. It's Neil
1: Burnside. It's Neil Burnside.
0: I always forget that he was in Doctor Who, and I kind of don't want to get to the point where we watch it again because to me, he will always be Neil Burnside, and I don't want him to ever be anybody
1: else. I know, and he's a lot older because it's like some. It's like 2007 when he's in Doctor Who, so it's uh, well after his yeah. his Sandbaggers time.
0: Ooh, it'll like it'll take us a decade to get that far. It'll
1: be a long time, mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. But we'll probably watch the Sandbaggers once or twice before that even happens, probably
0: easily. Yeah.
1: Um so there yeah I wasn't I couldn't remember if uh where the cliffhanger was until we got to the cliffhanger and I thought <laughs> Is Raylon, please tell me Raylon's in this episode because he was on the screen. and I, I, I was not going to mention Thank until you. he appeared fully on screen before I, I said so. I'm glad he did. I'm glad we were able to talk about him. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, it's it's ridiculous how, like, you know, you have the Duchess of Duke Street on in the yeah. background to spot your Doctor Who actors and I don't know Doctor Who actors nearly as well as you do um, or even actors from other shows. But every once in a while there's an actor that I'm so excited to see. I mean, we we watched an episode of Midsummer Murders that he was in, That's right. like, not that long ago, yeah. and I was very excited there too. Um, he ended up not being a very nice guy in that one, so. Uh,
1: He's an actor, though he can play different parts.
0: Fine, yep. No, it's it's true. Anyway, it's uh it was anyway that just made me very very happy, and in in a an episode of a story that makes me happy in general because I really. I like it. It's, I think it's a really good one, and I don't. I remember just enough to know that I'm excited to see what comes next, and I remember little enough to still get to be excited and thrilled by some of the things that will probably be happening.
1: That we will watch and talk about on the next episode of Lazy Doctor Who
0: on the Incomparable Network. Goodbye. Goodbye.